Shamaya, and welcome back to the Financial Executives Podcast. In recent years, businesses and firms have become deeply intertwined with their ESG concerns. Where in the past having an ESG strategy was merely but a choice, developments in the past recent years are now requiring businesses to adopt ESG strategies and standards. It has now become a necessity. In anticipation of the final SEC ESG rules in this podcast, we sit down with Chris McClure, partner in the advisory services group at Crow and leader of the firm's environmental, social, and governance ESG team. Chris, Crow recently just launched the Crow ESG Center of Excellence. Can you tell us more about the foundations that led to this launch and why now? Yeah, sure. Thank you. And it's it's a pleasure to join you today. Um, we did launch the, the ESG Center of Excellence earlier this year. Um, it really follows on a lot of work that we've been doing over many years around elements of ESG for our clients. And um, now that we look across the marketplace and we see the trends in um, specific industries around regulatory requirements and customer requests and uh, investor uh, obligations, uh, now is really the time to make sure that we're uh, formulating our approach and we're able to uh, offer all the ESG services that uh, our clients need. So our, our ESG team is a cross-functional one. We have different backgrounds, uh, accountants and engineers and other types of consultants uh, with different experiences. And we collaborate from the ESG Center of Excellence. We have lines of uh, communication all across the firm to industry verticals and other business units so that we can make sure that when we approach a client, we understand that ESG means something to them, but it's different for each organization. So we want to make sure that we can have a customized approach that meets their specific profile and needs. And that uh, oftentimes requires us um, to bring in different professionals from different parts of the firm. So having the ESG team in place uh, enables us to stay on the cutting edge of what's happening in the ESG environment, which is um, very, very, um, you know, uh, dynamic right now with all the regulatory issues and things that we're seeing. So our team stays on top of all the new things, and then we collaborate with our uh, colleagues to bring solutions to our clients. What does Crow's Center of Excellence bring to the market that an unbundled approach does not? Well, uh, ESG, now, given all the demands that our clients are seeing, requires our clients to have uh, within uh, internally cross-functional teams. They need the backgrounds of the people that are listening to their investors, listening to their customers, dealing with their supply chain, um, who are in IT, who can source new data streams for them, people in HR and legal. They have to bring together all these elements to be successful in the way that they look uh, at ESG and manage all the demands on them. So similarly, um, <clears throat> At Crow, we have a cross-functional team that can that can facilitate that effort. So it may be that they need specific types of consulting that we have to combine with industry expertise. They may need help with an IT platform selection as they're migrating towards uh, investor-ready data. Um, it could be that they need help understanding a specific regulatory requirement. They may need uh, 
uh, internal audit assistance with controls and process and IT controls, or it could be that they're evaluating, trying to understand what the external assurance requirements are going to be. What is limited and reasonable assurance from an external party look like? And at Crow, we have all those capabilities, so we can bring them all together and make sure that we're answering all the questions that the clients have, because there are a lot right now. This is really moving very fast, and there's a lot of new obligations that our clients have. So. Uh, it's it would be very challenging to do it in any type of a siloed approach. You can't really do a one by one. You need a comprehensive review so that as you're setting up a program, for example, if you're in the early stages of it, you also need to be thinking about what is external audit going to look like next year so that you're not missing any steps and that you're moving forward in a path that's going to um, get you where you need to be. That's going to satisfy all your obligations. And Chris, you've been in the ESG space for some time now. From the seat that you sit in, what are some of the most common mistakes firms are making when setting their ESG agenda and strategy? Well, I would say that it's um, in, in some cases, it's very new for a lot of organizations. And so, you know, ESG is a newer acronym that you're hearing, but it relates to corporate responsibility, corporate sustainability, concepts that have been around a long time. ESG is much more comprehensive and it, it really requires a regimented approach to understanding, again, who, who out there, which stakeholders around an organization really matter, whose voices are important. And how do we address those? And oftentimes, again, those are your investors, your customers, your regulators, your own personnel. Um, and again, your, your competitors, maybe ratings agencies and others. And in the past, uh, a lot of this effort was voluntary. And now we're moving into a, a time where a lot of it is much more mandatory. If you if you look at the regulatory environment, it's increasing. <clears throat> if you wanna compete for capital, uh, investors look at things through an ESG lens. So um, it's a much more regimented environment and you have to make that transition. And with that, you have to have stronger processes and controls. You have to have better collaboration within your organization and you need data. And that's a, a new trend too. There's, there's a lot of pressure now on data that's comp uh, comparable and verifiable. And so, whereas in the past, you might've had a limited number of people in your company looking at maybe what they called sustainability, now we're in a world where everybody's looking at ESG and you have to have a, a comprehensive approach and a cross-functional team. So when we talk to clients, we see that at various stages of maturity around that. And sometimes they just need some, uh, some coaching and some advice on how they can uh, accelerate their process and then what all the considerations are, you know, again, as they, as they move forward. Beyond setting the agenda and crafting an ESG strategy, one of the challenges I imagine business leaders face is communicating and defending the strategy to their board. What are some of the most common challenges that you see when your clients are engaging their board? Well, what should happen is the board at this point should be very engaged. So it should be a collaborative process and the board should understand their obligations. Um, and specifically, if you look at the frameworks that are being um, employed around um, complying with the new SEC climate rule, for example. One of the frameworks is TCFD, which has specific sections of uh, obligations for describing what the board knows about climate risk and how they're engaging and how they're enabling management. So it should be very top down. So the first thing is you, you don't um, 
want to be in a combative environment. You want to be in one that's from the top down, sets the right tone and, and um, creates the environment where the organization can be successful. So the board has to get educated on these issues, understand all the risks and the opportunities that ESG presents. Sometimes we only talk about the costs or the challenges, but the reality is uh, as the world migrates towards different energy sources and um, looks at new things within their organization to find cost savings. There's a lot of opportunities as well. So it should be driven by the board. Um, and then in terms of setting a strategy, the it has to be tied to the key stakeholders. So it, it's not just the will of certain people within management or one or two people on the board. It really is enterprise-wide and, and it makes sense because it's the right thing to do. It's what the investors want and demand. It's what your regulators um, require. It's what your key customers are asking for, all those things. So if you're if you're walking through the process of a strategy and a materiality assessment and stakeholder engagement the right way, then the outcomes are clear. And then everybody should uh, understand why the, the organization has to move forward in that direction. You brought this up earlier um, about how ESG, but specifically the data that's collected around ESG, has gained a lot of momentum in the past couple of years. It's actually very important for businesses and firms to pay very close attention to the data that they are gathering. In what ways did the pandemic challenge ESG reporting initiatives? What were some of the most common pitfalls you saw when working with your clients? Yeah, to address your first point, data is critical. And if you look in the past at sustainability initiatives, um, data wasn't always front and center. So uh, a lot of the sustainability reporting has been narrative driven and selective, meaning just you know certain topics uh, that you want to report on, some of it with data, uh, unclear, maybe the quality of the data it was a best effort at the time. We're in an environment now where, you know, driven again by the uh, new regulatory requirements and, and expectations in the market, data is going to be critical and it has to be sourced from uh, verifiable uh, systems and it has to have controls around it. And it really is moving towards investor grade, which means um, it's going to mimic what's in financial reporting, which we all know is very, very rigorous. So we're going to be looking for data from new streams of information. Some of it may come from HR, some may come from your utility providers, from your uh, process and operational people. So that gets back to why we need the cross-functional team for visibility and why we need people in the financial and accounting space to apply that rigor to get it ready for financial reporting. Um, I think the pandemic itself created challenges with um, communication and collaboration um, where you're not all in the same building and can pop in and necessarily have these meetings or brainstorm as easily. People are in disparate locations and um, there's a lot of other operational challenges. So now that we're moving past that and we're in this environment where we're seeing a lot of regulatory pressure and investor pressure for ESG reporting, uh, the attention has turned to how do we do it in a more comprehensive way, meaning looking at frameworks and standards like SASB and GRI, conducting materiality assessments and understanding which topics we have to move forward with, and then understanding each one of those topics, whether it's climate or diversity and equity and inclusion, um, or some sort of a governance or cyber protection issue, all of them will have metrics around them, and those measurements have to be verifiable. So uh, data is critical, and the, the process by which you get it, and you evaluate it, confirm it, and then 
the process by which it will be audited by a third party provider is also going to be um, really um, scrutinized going forward. What are some effective strategies business leaders should consider when mobilizing internal resources to support their ESG strategy in a virtual work from home environment? Well, the first thing is identifying all the right people. It's not a one or two person uh, effort. As we've talked about, there are a lot of different people within the organization that at least need to have some sort of seat at the table here around um, the ESG initiative. So you need to start early, get all of those people lined up and, and establish a cadence of meetings and the jobs to do, the tasks that they're going to take on and the reporting structure for how you're going to show progress, um, who's going to initiate the efforts internally to gather data and then coordinate potentially with outside service providers that might help you with um, IT issues, um, you know, internal audit issues, external audit, any other type of help that you might need. Who's staying up to date with all the regulatory changes and the customer requests and the supply chain issues and, you know, all the things that are the challenges in, in today's environment. Um, and then, you know, doing that in a virtual world, we, we've seen businesses get very proficient at um, working in a, in a virtual space. So there were challenges initially, but it, they've created a lot of efficiencies. And um, when you can so easily take advantage of technology to collaborate, there's so many different ways you can use it to have meetings, to store data, to have centralized repositories of information that people can be reviewing in real time. Um, and the uh, IT systems are advancing in order to capture data and create controls around it. So. Um, it, there are a lot of challenges, but there's a lot of information uh, that you can refer to, a lot of templates, a lot of, um, again, you know, new software programs and other things you can bring together. So it's just organizing, getting the right structure in place, and then moving forward. First time through is always challenging, but I would expect as we see iterations of these processes, um, we'll see a lot of efficiencies created and, um, you know, a lot better data, a lot better reporting, just like we've seen with the adoption of any new trends or um, financial statement requirements over time. How would you react to some of the investor and public pushback on ESG? Sure, I think ESG is a very broad term and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So the first thing is to be very careful when you're discussing ESG, you need to first define it, you know, understand in what context you're talking about it, what, who are the stakeholders, what are the industries, what are the implications? And it means very, very different things. So you do see a lot of discussion around it. Um, I, we tend to focus on it for our clients around, again, what their customers are asking for and their regulators and what their peers are doing. But certainly you see it in um, the press being talked about in a lot of different ways around um, whether it's divestiture efforts around pension funds, or it has to do even with school curricula and many, many other things. So first and foremost, it's important to understand um, what context you're speaking about it in, and then dig into the details and understand what are the objectives and goals of you know, the organizations that you're talking to and, and what it means for them. Um, I think it's uh, it's much more complicated than just some of the headlines in the press um, around what some of the industries are doing. Again, we talked about costs and opportunities. And if you dig into what different large companies are doing in different industries, I think you'll find that you know, while some of them may have some climate risks, they also have a lot of climate opportunities that they're pursuing with renewable energy and other things. So that the conversations are really just getting going. And um, I think you'll see a lot of 
movement and transition and, and uh, evolution, you know, as we go forward. Can you talk about some successful solutions that firms should put in place to strengthen their tracking and reporting processes? Yeah, it depends on where you're starting from. Um, I would say at a baseline, I'll give you, you know, a couple of examples. We, we talk a lot about, again, in ESG, there's a lot of different things you might be tracking, and it depends on your, your industry and, and what you're given to. So generally what we see, for example, is that in the banking environment, they're very comfortable in the banking environment talking about the S- uh, elements. They, for a long time, understand who they're serving and, and where in their communities they're working and in the governance elements as well. Very well regulated and strong governance and structures, but now maybe learning more about the E elements. So how is a bank tied to climate risk? So there's some um, learning that we're, you know, we're doing in that environment. And as you think about that, if you're going to be reporting on these new topics, you're going to need ways to capture measurements. And so uh, working with banks, for example, to capture utility information around their various branches, maybe not an exercise that they've done before, uh, certainly not to in, uh, they might do it to measure expense, but not necessarily to transition it into a greenhouse gas emissions calculation. So that's a new effort. And um, so they need to establish protocols for capturing that information, looking to automate that process where you can and eliminate some of the just the day-to-day -day manual aspects of the process, automating it, measuring it, and then looking for ways to, you know, at some point show improvement, which can lead to expense reductions. It may take, um, again, some uh, additional IT systems or better integration with your utilities providers or your property managers. So it, it really starts with getting out and mapping out your approach and the, the new elements that you need to measure. Some of those things are already there for other topics. So it might be just about refining your approach with your human resources group or with uh, other groups within the organization that have some of this data. So you typically you're looking for a, a, a process first, and then you can supplement that process with um, with systems. Some of the systems might evolve over time. So we do see a lot of clients starting with Excel spreadsheets or maybe a Power BI database that's very flexible. And then they'll look to migrate that towards uh, maybe broader solutions, or at some point down the road, we would see these things uh, integrating with ERP systems, but it takes time. We have, we're in the phase right now of conceptualizing and laying down the initial measurements and then moving forward. So again, we expect there'll be a lot of improvement um, at, you know, over the coming years around some of these new requirements. over climate-related financial risk has gained momentum along with other aspects of the broader ESG priorities. Can you elaborate on why we should be involving financial services companies in the climate change discussion? Yeah, I think the, the idea of climate risk and climate measurement uh, involves everyone. Uh, as, as we've seen, um, the definitions of uh, greenhouse gas emissions really involve all different types of organizations. And when we think about um, the clients that we talk to, there are some that you know have a better understanding of this because they've been operating in the energy sector for a long time, or even in the manufacturing sector where they uh, have a stronger understanding of what their processes do. But even some of them have to still learn about their operations and how they're migrating towards these new calculations. Um, financial services firms um, are uh, have an understanding, certainly, and some of them are very advanced 
in, in climate. They understand it from the perspective of what they do themselves. So what they spend, how they operate, and then the issue of financed emissions as well. So that's the concept of, you know, where you're lending and what the impact is of where you're lending um, and what um, industries you're invested in and what their emissions are. So a lot of these things are still in the conceptual phase, um, but it is certainly in the way that the world interacts, in the way that we think of what we call scope three, uh, emissions, meaning what's the entire value chain for an organization that really involves um, every type of organization. They need to think about what they're doing, what's within your control, what's in your whole value chain, who else you do business with, what's the full life cycle of your products, or again, what's the full life cycle of the emissions that you might be financing. So a lot of these concepts are um, well-established for certain larger institutions. It's now migrating down through more mid-market and smaller institutions who are starting to understand um, the approach, and then it's a customized level of effort depending upon the depth and breadth of your um, financial institution as to how you're going to measure. Um, and what we're learning a lot every day as they are about what's the best way to do this, um, how can you capture the information efficiently, lay down a, a base period of reporting. And then it's also we're seeing, I would say, ESG concepts are not standalone or they're not just administrative or not just being handled by an ESG group. They're being integrated into strategy, which is really the right way to go forward. Because if you think about measuring uh, these types of things, you're not gonna make any improvements if you're not considering it in light of your real business and how what's our business model going forward and how are we gonna minimize the costs and take advantage of the opportunities. For banks and credit unions, what should be their utmost priority in this moment when it comes to considering their response to the climate-related financial risks? Well, um, I think it, you know, it relates to some of the things we've talked about, which is uh, first and foremost, let's understand um, where, you, where you sit and what your obligations are. Um, so you want to get your board engaged, make sure that they're well-educated on um, at a high level where your, uh, where your focus should be. What are your regulatory obligations? What do your customers expect? Um, and then what other stakeholders might have a voice here? What do your investors want from you? Well, and, and walking through, again, this materiality process. So you want to get get a, a plan in place for understanding your stakeholders. So we call it a materiality assessment with stakeholder engagement. And that's really what everybody needs to do. It's identifying who out there are really the key drivers of your strategy and your approach. Um, and then assessing what they want. And you have to have a mechanism for getting that information. So it could be a limited approach where you say, we understand what our investors want from their websites. We understand what our competitors are doing from their websites. We've heard, we know from the regulators what they're asking for, what they want. Let's start there and let's move down the path. Or it may be something more involved where you do surveys and interviews and um, other outreach to really get more in depth, but you have to understand what those stakeholders want, how it aligns with the frameworks that are out there. And that will <clears throat> inform you as to what your uh, reporting is going to look like going forward. And when we talk about reporting in ESG, there's really two main outlets, your financial statements, which um, will be dictated by regulation, primarily what has to be embedded in your financial statements going forward. And that's a critical thing to understand. But the other portion of it is what is going to go into your uh, voluntary reporting, your sustainability report or your ESG report. Um, it's it, it's in really important for everybody to understand that the SEC uh, indicates that you know ESG data is very important, and what you say around ESG issues 
is very important such that it rises to the level of an investor uh, disclosure. And that the importance of that can't be overstated. That's a really a seismic shift in the world that we're in right now. So all of the voluntary reporting that uh, banks or other institutions have been doing is now viewed um, by the SEC also as an investor disclosure. So that creates more rigor and just uh, stronger obligations around understanding what you're saying voluntarily on your website, separate and apart from your financial statements. So it's really important for uh, the board and management and others to get their arms around these issues, understand what the stakeholders need, and then have a pathway forward for reporting in a way that is um, controlled and verifiable, but will also you know, share the information that's, in, that's important for you to, to uh, get out into the market. Could you sum up how an organization can design an ESG strategy that works practically? Yeah, I think um, take an inventory of, of what you're already doing, get an understanding of the frameworks and standards and the, like we said, the stakeholder uh, requirements, get a quick inventory of what you've already got. So things you've already reported on, processes you already have in place, people within your organization who already understand um, what your regulatory obligations are, what you've been saying around some of these key ESG topics. Uh, lean on your outside providers. There are lots of consultants and uh, law firms that provide a lot of information to you proactively, so you can be very efficient in keeping up to date and understanding best practices around ESG. And then just making sure that you're diligent in moving forward. You don't have to make massive investments in technology right away, or you can, you can really do a lot with a, a committed group of coworkers who are just being diligent about understanding the resources that are available to them. Uh, there are a lot of challenges with ESG. There's it, Things are evolving quickly, uh, but along with that comes a, an environment that we're in where there's so many great professional services organizations like Crow and others that are out there constantly creating this content and creating templates and uh, formats that you can use and things that you can consider um, that you can lean on. So you're, you're not ever staring at a blank page or wondering how to get going. There's a lot of resources that you should leverage uh, to make sure that your process is efficient. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I would just say that uh, again, ESG is a, a big issue. There's a lot to consider. It's not a one-person or two-person job at any organization. So you really need to collaborate amongst your teammates um, across the platform there and across the organization. More is better uh, to understand all the things that you have to do, but that you're already doing so you can get great alignment, leverage procedures, uh, platforms, and IT that you already have in place so that you can be efficient and that everybody understands uh, why we're moving forward in this direction, why we need to do these things, and what are the challenges, but what are also what are the benefits, and, and where are we going to be in a year or in two years from now, what are our goals, and what's our pathway to get there.